0: On Young Asayo, Welcome to Afternoon Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare wrecks for good measure, because why not ride the Hallyu wave all the way to shore? So grab some deck bokeh and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody.
1: Hi there. Hello. How is everyone today? This fine January day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For us, it dropped like 30 degrees overnight. So that's awesome. It's like wreaking havoc on our sinuses. And then it's like,
2: is it COVID or sinus? It's like the new game. Yeah, that's like every little sniffle, every little, you know, headache, sore throat, whatever. It's yeah, that's why I just ordered like a shit ton of home tests, because we're going back to school next week. And I'm just, yeah. Yeah, I ran out today and got some.
0: I saw a graph that was like, how much do I think about my nasal and throat passages versus how much do I want to? Eat <laughs> <about them? laughs> and there's a big deviation between the two.
1: <laughs> so I saw something on Instagram that I wanted to talk about. So I follow a lot of food pages on Instagram because I freaking love it. Because you're food. Megan. Yeah, Megan. <laughs> and to be honest, I didn't even realize that this was a Korean. Content creator. I just followed her because I love her recipes. But her name is Alice Chue and her Instagram is Hip Foodie Mom One. And foodie is F-O-O-D-I-E. So Hip Foodie Mom One. Anyway, so she had made recently a dish that she posted a picture of, which it looks amazing. It's spicy braised tofu with some bean sprouts and spinach and kimchi. And I guess someone wrote, someone commented kimchi is just nasty. So she commented back, or so she actually made a video on it, because she's like, look, if you don't like kimchi, that's fine. I'm not going to tell you you have to like kimchi, but do not come on my page as a content creator and tell me that, like, my food is nasty. And, you know, a lot of people commented, obviously supporting her, saying, you know, that's, I'm sorry. And I actually wrote good rule of thumb is not to call a popular staple of a culture nasty. Like that's just a good, good rule of thumb. And she actually responded to me, which was which is sweet, but not and not giving myself a gold star. I'm just saying I think that that is something everyone should know. I don't know. I guess I just wanted to send her some love. They, you know, you should follow her. She makes some good recipes. And I'm sure that really did hurt her, If especially if she felt the need to make a video. And I just think that's a real shame. It,
2: it is a microaggression. Like you think you're just talking totally. about the food, but you're talking about a culture. <laughs> and I will just toss out there yeah. that last week I went with some friends locally to my very first like sit down like Korean barbecue place. And I had kimchi for the first time and I enjoyed it. So there you go. I do like it. I had kimchi fried rice and I thought it was delicious. But even if you don't
1: like it, and she even said, too, you might have gotten, like, depending on where you're getting it's it. It's different every single place you have
2: it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, kimchi, I feel like, like, much food. Like, yeah, a lot depends. It's not like there's, like, every bowl tastes the same. You know what I mean? So. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, a lot of, some people in the comments were saying, well, I mean, you know, if you had, like, some, you know, Halmonese homemade kimchi, you might feel better. You know, you're probably eating some like jar from like Kroger or something. No, nothing is Kroger or whoever, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like, but I mean, you know, you're getting a jar, you should go to an Asian market or or something like that.
0: And even if you don't like it, you just don't go into someone's page to be like, um, and that's the problem sometimes with the internet, isn't it? People just feel very free to like drive by and take a dump and not even like think of twice about it, you know?
1: Yeah, like what, what is with drive-by dumps? It's so true. Okay, I hate to bring up Supernatural again because we do it every podcast. I was about to as well was, because yeah. it's, it's become a thing. So on the Supernatural Facebook group, it's so crazy. Like someone will be like, "I this workout was so much fun. The coach was great. I really loved it." And then someone'll just wrote, "I hated it."
0: <laughs> yeah, so let's just let's just preface for those of you who are new to the pod that Amy and Megan and I are not sponsored by Oculus or Supernatural, but we like to work out on a VR headset together and it, there's an app called Supernatural that you can play. And there's a Facebook group about Supernatural, and I feel like lately it's just been like a lot of just dumping of just like i and i mean like look it's just the nature of that horrible like facebook world but yeah just people being like i need to just be an asshole for no reason right like i don't i guess if someone says they like
1: something why do you say well i hate it i don't (laughs) understand just don't
2: say anything right like why (laughs) Like, we always say that we're not here, and it's, I, I got, you know, we get this from Leah, like, that I'm not here to yuck anybody else's yum, which I use, like, in Except my everyday for life.
0: today, I am yucking. <laughs> no, but this is what... I'm a
2: hypocrite. I know! That's what I was just gonna say, is today we are kind of, like, going against, we're going against everything, we're going against everything we believe. But this is what we do. This is, That's a little different.
1: We're not going on, like, we're not, this is our space. That, that I guess that's the thing. Like, Leo,
2: what are you doing? Leo, what what kind of bells are you dinging there? Well, this is a necklace. <laughs> what is dangling next to you? It's like dangling no, like no, bells. over here. It's like making
0: like. I have, I have a wind chime yep. over on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> of course she does. Um, of course so I anyway, ch- as wind we move through, go relaxing, like when we get a little stressed talking about this drama. Yeah. That that that's a cue for me to take a breath and remember this is all just in good fun and not to get too upset. Because it is in good fun. If you enjoyed the silent sea and some of some of the folks on this pod today, I believe enjoyed the silent sea, correct, Megan? Yeah. And so yeah, look, I don't want to take that fun away from you. Mm -hmm. But like I said in Tale of the Nine Tailed podcast, I need to have the fun of really just like Yeah. Talking about what didn't work. Asking questions. Yes. But again, Got a lot right. of questions. Like
1: I said, this is our space. We're not going onto anyone else's space
0: and Yeah, I'm not writing gong you on Instagram to be yeah. like, excuse me, good day, sir. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> We're not going into anyone else's space and yucking their yum to
0: them. So Correct. just if you've come to our space yeah. today This is we what have... we
2: get to do. <laughs>
0: yeah. And look, some of us liked it better than others, and that's our prerogative. Right.
2: But here's the thing. I think it's possible to enjoy the ride of watching a drama and then get to the end and be like, what the heck did I just watch? And that's, that's where I think Megan and I are, yeah. whereas Leah was like WTF the whole way through, which is fine Okay, as this well. is a bad, this is a bad <laughs> example, but Amy, have you ever seen any of the Crank movies? No.
1: Oh God. Okay. Neil just mentioned them the other day and was like, you should have Leah watch those. And I was like, I will never make her do that. They're Jason Statham, oh, yeah, absolutely no. crazy yeah. movies. And again they're ridiculously fun to watch but they make zero sense and they're so stupid (laughs) and that's like that's so yeah that's maybe if i watch
0: it and then play my oh
1: my god leah you would hate crank with every ounce of your being
0: (laughs) all right well let's get into the silent sea and what worked and did not work in this space opera
2: here we go in the not too distant future water is scarce and socioeconomic status now also determines your level of water access scientists have been working for years on a solution to the water crisis but to no avail meanwhile for reasons the avengers assemble or i mean the south korean government assembles an interstellar team to bring back a mysterious sample from Balhae lunar station a research facility on the moon that has been abandoned for five years after its inhabitants mysteriously died what is the sample they are looking for Quote, we don't know, unquote, says the government. You just need to get it. Also, even though we don't know what it is, we do know it's extremely volatile if the container it's in has been compromised. Also, also, there is more than one sample, but if you can just get one, that'd be great. Also, 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 you are not to investigate why everyone died. Just get the sample and return home. Don't ask why we waited five years after the unknown catastrophe to send you. Please and thank you. Good day, sir.
0: and you have 24 hours and only 24 hours yes and a 10 percent chance of survival
2: right how how she how dr song figures that out i don't know but we're getting ahead of ourselves here so there you have it the only way that we can talk about this deep dive without spoilers so listeners (laughs) have you seen the western sci-fi and action titles event horizon the rock resident evil Westworld, or even the short-lived sci-fi series Firefly? If you said yes to any or all of these titles on this list, then you've seen The Silent Sea, an amalgamation of every sci-fi trope under the moon. See what I did there? And then some. This drama is based on the 2014 short film The Sea of Tranquility, written and directed by Choi hong Yang, who also directs the 2021 drama with screenwriter Park Eun-kyo. So hop on board our play school spaceship with overhead bins and the ability to snap apart at a moment's notice and join us for a breakdown of why this drama is all at once visually stunning, compulsively binge-worthy, and also, well, a hot mess.
0: According to a review at Inverse.com, The Silent Sea is 15 different sci-fi stories in a trench coat, which is pretty spot on. This is not to say that the drama wasn't compulsively watchable, because it was, at least according to Amy and Megan, (laughs) and not just because it offers eight hours of Gong Yu with the never-explained neck tattoo. That was a highlight. The cinematography really was A+, and each episode ends with, um... (laughs) I'm trying! Okay, each episode ends with such great cliffhangers that we needed to know what happened next. I'm laughing because this is something that Amy wrote <laughs> and I, I don't necessarily agree, but I like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not going to yuck the yum here. But what happened after we finished that final episode and had a chance to marinate on the what the fucker we had just experienced, we can't wait to tell you. But first, let's get the non-spoilery bits out of the way, shall we? So, Megan, Amy, I... Wanted to see if you had anything to say about another film I haven't seen (laughs) called The Rock.
2: So, yeah, we have to give a quick shout out to our listener, Megan, who pointed out that in our episode one recap, we, and by we, I mean me and Megan, Miss a major Nicolas Cage connection, which is the movie The Rock, where Cage plays Stanley Goodspeed, a chemical weapons expert who is on a team with Sean Connery to stop Ed Harris from starting chemical warfare with, you guessed it, a highly volatile chemical that is safe only if it's packaged nicely in its little canister. But even if one particle of one of these glowing green bubbles is released, prepare for your whole being to just melt. Megan, how did we (laughs) freaking miss this? I'm so, I'm a little ashamed
1: so the rock is a classic movie well for everyone but media. right yeah and and the little green balls <laughs> in their canister is like an image i can conjure immediately in my mind i mean those are again classic what was the deal with that canister anyway like i remember how delicate they, they pull them were. out like, and they would dangle <laughs> yeah they would <laughs> they would like Angle, like loosely connected and one could easily fall off and of course it did and then they had to make sure that the because the little ball i think had like a like a like, thin like casing. a membrane like a thin <laughs> yeah like a membrane and if it broke you know but they were like a delicate as an egg because i just started getting nostalgic when megan brought this up i watched a few scenes on youtube this week and i have to mention the epic scene uh, at the very end of the movie i'm gonna spoil the rock for you <laughs> it's okay? from I mean, 1996 it's
2: like you can yeah spoil it. it's really old <laughs> Yeah.
1: So it's like the very end of the movie. And basically, they they're on, you know, the rock, which is Alcatraz, where the prison is on the island off the coast of California. And they want to the, the military is going to blow up the island because they can they think that, you know, they're gonna release this chemical or whatever. So Nicolas Cage, who's the, you know, the scientist, he drops to his knees and like this Epic, epic slow motion, and he's waving his green flares because that means, like, I'm alive, don't blow up the island. And the fighter jets are caught off, except one didn't get the abort mission in time, and he drops a rocket on the island, sending Nicolas Cage soaring into the sea amid a ball of flames. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I just love that scene that, like, the flares, his, like, girlfriend crying. God, it's great. So, okay, we can go back to the science. Well, I was just to say
2: really quickly, like The Rock is a Michael Bay movie, so
1: even back in 1996,
2: we were getting some epic explosions. Right, he loves his explosions. I want to just thank Megan for pointing this out, because I don't think we really, I'm I'm just going to say in our defense, that we didn't really understand the significance of the canister containing the volatile sample, how dangerous it was and how great of a connection that was until we saw it, and I want to believe that we would have made the rock connection on our own at some point. But thank you, Megan, for making it before we did. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: we every, anytime we can bring in a Nick Cage reference and annoy Leah, it's like a great day for us. So, it is. Thank you very much. <laughs> so before we dive in and spoil the shit out of the Silent Sea, let's start with a few general questions. First, what were your initial thoughts, hopes and dreams going into this drama? And were any of them realized? So I'll go first. I actually wasn't quite as excited about the the two of you, I think. I mean, I respected your excitement. I was just like, okay, cool. Like, I'll watch it. I'll admit the preview trailers made me nervous. I think that's where I had some issues. It gave me a thinky sci-fi feel, which isn't my favorite. However, I don't mind a thinky sci-fi, if done well, like Event Horizon. So we mentioned this on our quick episode one recap. The previews gave me Event Horizon vibes, and so did episode one. In Event Horizon, they have to travel to an abandoned spaceship to find out what happened to the crew, and while they learn the ship is sentient, show them their worst fears and they all go kind of crazy it's very very cool so it's a pretty badass movie that is smart and scary which the silent sea (laughs) was not (laughs) it was neither smart
0: nor scary (laughs) so i'm always going to feel hype over a new gong yu drama and this one also came with two of my favorite actresses as well. Bae Duna, who starred in Cloud Atlas, and Kim son Young, who, you know, she crushes it in everything from Reply 1988 to her private life to Crash Landing on You. And the fact that, you know, the trailer premise gave off this vibe that was very moody and thinky sci-fi was also a big part of my anticipation. I am clearly the least interested in straight-up plot-driven action movies here on the pod, but that being said, I don't ever mind when an external conflict is the primary focus if it's a good story with compelling twists and turns. Instead, I was left finishing this drama thinking that the MVP award went to a red sea star. That's right a starfish the hardest working invertebrate in show business
2: <laughs> oh my gosh so i'm not gonna lie like my excitement was 99.99998 percent for a new gong yu drama but i do love a good sci-fi story thinky you or not so that definitely filled in the other 0.00 however many zero two percent did i get eight episodes of gong yu yes Yes, I did. Was the greatest of all time, the goat stifled into a one-note role that did not let us see the true beauty and genius that is Gong Yu? (sighs) Yes. I am afraid that is what it was. So I'm going to go on to some specific questions for you, Megan and Leah. Megan, what are your thoughts on cocky alpha heroes in Western movies and shows like this and the fact that such a character archetype was missing from this drama? So I had brought this up like in our Slack conversations
1: after this drama. So I think that's one of the reasons I want to talk about it. If you listen to our universal fantasy podcast, this might make sense to you. But basically I was really missing the butter in this drama, the heart, the fat, the lard, like anything that would have made it meaty and delicious. And I realized that one thing I missed was the typical cocky and like toxic alpha hole that we always get in Western action and sci-fi movies which I never thought I'd say, like honestly, but here we are. So, you know, that guy who starts out kind of misogynistic and then changes his tune when the female lead saves his ass, the one who beneath his cocky exterior is damaged, unemotionally available, has a tragic past, and in the end has character growth. Like I really, I really miss that. And I felt like that was what they were trying to do with Gong Yu at first, since he was a little cold, but then his character just stayed completely flat. And so I had to think back and I realized that the cocky alpha hole, like a true one that we get in like Western movies, might be uniquely American, you know? And I have to say this because of something else I watched, which was Singles Inferno. (laughs) So why am I bringing up the Korean dating reality show right now? Like, I'll explain. Okay, I'm circling back. So in the show, they introduce the couples one by one as they walk downstairs onto a beach. Okay. And so the last man was walking down and something about him felt wholly different than the other Korean men that they had introduced. He had a certain like swagger to him and this like confidence and frankly, a charisma. Like it was very noticeable. He was also dressed in like a really gorgeous suit. And he had, gasp, facial hair. Anyway, one woman gasped and said, oh, he must be Korean American. And all the rest of them like nodded, agreeing with her. And so this was right after I watched The Silent Sea. And so it made me compare it to the lack of this kind of like confident, cocky character in that drama. So I don't know. I guess, you know, no one does alpha hole like Americans Except for John Pio.
0: John Pio was a pretty good alpha hole.
1: (laughs) Oh, true, true, true.
2: Yeah, he was. He was. That's boys over flowers.
1: Basically, I would have killed for Gong Yu in the beginning to have been a more like toxic alpha military leader, cold, somewhat ruthless in his delivery and dedication to the mission, maybe raising his voice slightly or trying to use his build to intimidate the female astrobiologist. He thinks guns and... I know, I know, (laughs) I know. I'm totally leaning in full to like... It's okay. So it's he okay. thinks guns and logic can solve the mission when, well, I don't want to give spoilers yet, but he would have learned that patience and maybe a little maternal instinct is what saves the day. <laughs> then we could have gotten his backstory that tugged at our heartstrings and made us understand why he was so determined, and slowly his toxicity bleeds away into character growth where he learns
2: to work as a team. Oh my god, yes, to all of this. Okay? <laughs> I feel like I feel like basically we needed Gong Yu to be Han Solo, and instead he was just stoic one note
1: captain han oh <laughs> uh, look at that look at that <laughs> han solo pun not pun it, well no it
2: was a pun it was a pun it was a pun yeah thank you for saying it. it
0: so okay i would have even been super fine if he was mm, like just that like mission focused person if we had like some more background that kind of grounded into like why he kind of had that like single-minded focus at all instead it just felt like a convenient way to like accept the preposterous plot points and his job was just not to question the mission.
2: (laughs) I think this goes really well with the question that I want to ask you, Leah, which is why, even though this drama is about as batshit bananas as Tale of the Nine-Tailed, why do you think that Tale was more of a success at reeling in viewers? Because we all loved that drama despite having a lot of questions about plot. So why do you think that one was more successful at reeling us in than the silent sea
0: so look i think that tale of the nine tailed was full of plot holes however the character interplay the humor the heart in that really i felt like mattered and made it an enjoyable experience so by the end like by the second half of that drama i was like look i'm fairly convinced that this drama isn't going to make sense however i like the people i'm with and i'm invested in them like i like the brothers rivalry i like the love story i am you know i was all in on a moogie the villain <laughs> and so in that case i really had this like joyfulness in watching it i will say the silent sea had no joy for me and it is a different show And there is no comedy or levity to it and that is okay i do feel like it's kind of too bad because you know some of these cast members really can do humor quite well but you know okay that's not the kind of show it was however i was never invested in any of the character journey or interplay and so that was a big problem (laughs) to like make me care because at no point did i ever end up caring about anyone And beyond that, then it made like all the plot holes just feel like more of a slog to me. So as it kept going, and I felt like really this wasn't going to tie up into anything that I was going to be remotely satisfied with, I just felt more and more kind of angry at the waste of it, as opposed to kind of like delighted at like how off the rails it was.
2: Yeah, like there, there's literally no character exposition in this like the characters are just there and they're doing their thing and we get tiny little snippets of their backstories but nothing at all to make us empathize with them and care at all about why they're on this journey and so i'm totally there with you like if by the end of this drama i didn't care who died I didn't care who lived. I didn't care what happened, like where they were going after, you know, the end. Like I just, yeah, I was just like, okay, bye bye.
0: And one other thing I want to say is that on this show, I know we've talked in the podcast before about tricks that can happen in writing to make you care about the character. And in this, I felt like they did them all, but they did them all either too rushed or just when held up to the whole, it was badly executed. So like we see at the beginning, Dr. Song has like a secret dog that she gives water to. And we have seen in the past that, like, showing kindness to animals can be, like, a good way to, like, build in sympathy with the viewer. So we see that. But, like, I was kind of like, okay, but, like, that wasn't going to keep me going. We see she's got a relation with, us, like, her sister, her dead sister. And honestly... Like, none of that got very, like, deep, and so I really never cared. And then we see Captain Han has a daughter in the hospital who needs water, apparently, to live. She's hooked up to an IV that apparently has no water. I don't really know. <laughs> no, what's so in I- the IV? she's doing the whole mission. In order for her to have better hydration because it'll advance their status so that they'll have more access to water, which is a compelling premise. However, we just really see him with the daughter a few times, small interactions. And like, it wa- It felt cheap to me. It felt like, look, <laughs> like, that's not enough to make me give a shit. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah. No, it was. It was exactly that like rushed and like half-assed basically like the character development was half-assed look
0: I almost cared like I didn't even feel like the daughter
1: storyline like they didn't even feel like a family like I don't know what kind of acting was going (laughs) on there but like I felt like nothing I felt more for that freaking like dog
0: That Dr. Song was giving water to than I did for this little girl. Like, I'm sorry. And this is coming from Train to Busan, where the whole premise is this fairly toxic father's love for his daughter. And we're kind of meant to see that that's his motivation here, except we have no backstory. We have no grounding. We have no anything. As much as I want to care for Gong Yu, anytime I see Gong Yu, like, I needed something to hold on to with his character besides the fact that his daughter was laying in a hospital bed.
2: And we don't know why. And we don't know why. We don't know what ailment she has, why their water status is what's going to save her. Like, we know absolutely nothing. She's just there drawing. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) All right. Like,
0: give me, like, two seconds more. Like, if you're going to spend however many millions of won, billions potentially on making like the moon look cool. Spare me
2: like three minutes to anchor me in his story. (laughs) I honestly felt more connected to the CGI tiger than to any of the characters in this drama.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I was rooting
1: for the little dog at the beginning. I wanted him to have one. I
0: like the dog too. And I will also say
1: like, why didn't they tell us like where her mother went? Like, wouldn't have that been like an amazing backstory? Maybe something happened where some of the water situation, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Like, she dehydrated her.
0: The mom's a raisin. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> she gave her last few droplets to the daughter. I That's mean, a like, family yeah, backstory it so is that all the women, about.
1: all the women are slowly no, raising. What if, what if she died trying to get a better water card? You know, maybe she did something super risky to get a better water placement and she, you know, yeah, she died doing it.
0: Right now we are doing their job for them. Right now we are doing their job and yeah, trying to get the give them a story. <laughs>
2: So before we get to the spoilers, I need to ask one more super important question. Why is everyone so sweaty on the moon? (laughs) I have to
1: say they were just as sweaty as the characters from Strangers in Hell. And they were damn sweaty. Like
2: you and Leah talked so much about how sweaty that they always were in Strangers from Hell, but they were in this like crappy like apartment complex. Whereas here we're on the moon where it's freezing. And unless there is some major heat pumping into this lunar station and through their spacesuits, I don't understand why they're all just. They're glistening the entire drama.
0: Here, out of all my thousands... Of quibbles (laughs) with this drama, this is probably the least of my worries. And here's why I feel like the spacesuit is very well insulated. And as a result, it's probably reasonably stuffy. Plus, you've got them all hiking after their spaceship has crashed for zero plot reasons, other than to kill the one person who knows about the coming danger and chooses not to say a peep about it until his lungs burst. And then you also have a creeping dread that this big Netflix drama that you've agreed to star in might come with a big payday. Is ultimately a rotten tomato. Burn. (laughs) (laughs) Sick burn. (laughs) Okay, so at this point, we are now pivoting to the spoiler section. Now, if you have not seen this drama and you feel like you would like to save some of these surprise twists and turns, this might be a good spot to go on the off ramp and come back once you've seen it. If you have seen the drama, Or you're listening to my advice, which is, look, (laughs) I could spoil the shit out of this and I don't know if it's going to make a big difference. Stick around because, you know, there's not much else we can talk about this plot with without getting spoilery. And because we have so many unanswered questions, we're just basically now going to toss out a lot of the WTF moments, have a go at them and see where it leads us. Let's start with hmm, the water, the lunar (laughs) water.
2: I feel like starting with something that was done fairly well as far as a conflict is a good place. Like water on Earth is scarce and the moon has, wait for it, water. Water is the sample our team is sent to retrieve, though we never do see an actual body of water from where it originates. Anyway, Earth is running out of water and scientists on the moon have found water, The only problem is that lunar water is like a virus. It multiplies exponentially as soon as it comes in contact with a live host. Great for growing plants. Not so great when, if you're human, it drowns you from the inside out. What did everyone think of this irony and also the cinematic effects of what happens when one is exposed to lunar water? Also, Perlia, shout out to the sea star hallucinations. (laughs) Yes,
0: the byproduct of ingesting lunar water is all of a sudden you begin to see oceanographic <laughs> hallucinations from <laughs> you our- don't even have to ingest it. You just—it just can touch you. Yeah, I mean you breathe it as it's wafting by. So right. look, here's a few things that I need to quibble on at this point. One, why do we not see where the water source? The whole thing is freaking called the Silent Sea, based on the Sea of Tranquility. I would love to see like the underground, awesome CGI layer of water. I also would have liked to have really appreciated at the beginning when they were like, here's this mission. Look, it would not have spoiled much of anything nor taken the plot anywhere but in a better direction than if they'd given a quick PowerPoint on the findings of the lunar water, the surprise, surprise, like this could be the hope for Earth. And like, here's some basic scientific like principles that we're going to kind of adhere to, even if they're a little silly, just to kind of get us up and, running rather than like going back to like the samples are like none of us shall know I mean there was no reason for that and so I really feel like the fact that they didn't actually explain the properties of the lunar water at any point meant they don't have a shit clue either and so therefore I still don't care because they I don't think they even know like the show writer
1: Yeah. I mean, I will say like, I loved this plot line when it started. When we first started learning about the lunar water, I was really into it. I thought the cinematography was really freaking cool. I actually love the hallucinations, the like puking up the like massive amounts of water. Like, I mean, liters and gallons and pool size. It's like a geyser,
2: like a literal geyser spewing. Yeah. And then their
1: eventual deaths where they envisioned themselves drowning in this like massive unending body of water. I thought, you know, I thought it was really cool. I really loved the scene where they let a drop of blood fall on the water sample and then like stared in horror as it multiplied like exponentially. I thought that was really cool visually. I thought it was neat that they were at least showing us some like science, but they still didn't explain it. Like they were like, okay, when the water comes into contact with a live host it multiplies, like okay, okay, but uh, like you said, unless it's a fish. If it's a fish, though, no. Yeah, I mean, there was still some like th- that's the thing. Well, no, it multiplied. It multiplied, but they have gills, so they could swim
0: in it. True. Yeah, but their blood doesn't.
1: Yeah, it seemed to me like okay, I, and I guess that's where so that's where I had some issues. Okay, because there's a so there's a scene obviously where. A man's hand gets chopped off. He falls in lunar water. It doesn't get chopped. Well, off. I know. We'll get, get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. But his hand gets chopped off, and then the water just <laughs> the water the water just multiplies exponentially based on this guy's blood and flapping but around like a dead fish. There were many other times that the water came into contact with live like blood and it didn't continue to multiply and multiply and multiply. Cause I, you know, they said how, you know, your blood's only alive for a little bit after it leaves your body. Okay. But with this guy down there, it just
0: like multiplied and multiplied forever. And at one point they said, well, it just depends (laughs) on like who you are. And I was like, again, like, yeah, and I know (laughs) it just depends. And then I guess my
1: biggest thing is like, why does anyone think it's a good idea to take the ship back to earth when a crew of like 10 people couldn't handle it? Like, I mean, (laughs) it just sounds so volatile. So not worth it. So, I mean, someone's going to drop something on the spaceship back home. I don't even think they're going to get back home. Like, I fully believe that
0: something's going to happen. Luna's gonna do something. This brings me back to I'm not gonna get ahead too far, but we can we can see that at certain temperatures the volatile water can Correct. freeze so. as well. So why for all that's freaking holy are we <laughs> not freezing the goddamn water and moving it around? Because when you freeze it, it's okay. Yeah, anyway, they keep it like cold, I understand when you melt they it, they keep again. it cold, but they don't freeze it. Why don't they freeze it? Right. You're,
1: that's a good. Right. Point. Yeah.
0: Freeze it. Just freeze it. Ridiculous i know <laughs> and the fact that they decided much like what happened with descendants of the sun when there was a horrible virus in descendants of the sun at one point at this point like they realized during the show like oh this water is real bad if we breathe it in in any way like we're really fucked let's wear ppe for like five seconds but then let's just take it off for the rest of the very drill you're right. They didn't wear it very like often. A respirator.
1: <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, nah. And you good. know what? It's like <laughs> the people on earth would have just said, like, you need to be careful, wear PPE. The very first guy would never have ingested the lunar water because, you know, he like kind of almost just inhaled some like
2: water droplets. If he was wearing a mask. Yeah. That wouldn't have happened. Like, that's the whole thing. So my next question is about the mission. And that's like the whole thing where, like, they knew enough about the lunar water that they could have said something. They they could have said, do not touch the sample out of its container. Even if they weren't going to say it's water, they could say, it is very volatile, very dangerous. It will kill you on contact. But like, they tell them nothing. This mission is happening five years after the supposed mysterious death of everybody at the Balhay Lunar Station. And now they're setting them back. Why five years later? Why with only 24 hours to retrieve these samples that they don't know where they are, they're somewhere. We don't know what they are, but you'll know when you see them. There's just so much lack of logic in just sending these people off and they all go. There's I there's not really a question here. I just want (laughs) it's okay. I just want you to say like, I mean, I know you agree with me. I just want you to say that this is a ridiculous premise.
0: So the only, the only grace I will give this, and this is where I would be open, really appreciative for a listener to like reach out on this one is, was the translation we were getting a poor translation? Because maybe some of this was being handled in the actual, like Korean dialogue. And we just got like a, shitty ass translation fair
2: that's a good <laughs> point that is a really good point
0: but that's the only and i would love someone who speaks korean and who has watched the show to let us know like was that
2: because because <laughs> if not then like i got nothing i'm giving like i'm throwing mm-hmm. a bone here <laughs> right did we like miss some nuance that would have made this a little bit more logical for them to mm-hmm. say yes i don't know so our female lead dr song played by bae doona is on this mission as an astrobiologist. By the way, we never get more on the giant CGI tiger, but also to investigate what happened five years ago, since her sister was one of the scientists killed in the initial mission. What we find out is that in order to make lunar water work for our earthly needs, her sister and team were somehow growing preteen girl <laughs> at Ballet Lunar Station and testing lunar water on them. Until finally, one clone not only survived the water exposure, but was given superhuman healing powers from it. Her name? Luna. And Luna somehow survives the catastrophe, which we now know was a mass murder, that happened five years ago and has been living her best life with no food or drink in one of the station's overhead bins. Also, if she bites you, you can survive lunar water exposure. (laughs) Discuss. Okay, hey, wait, first, you've just made that more make more sense. Yeah, I, have to be honest.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. If she bites you, you can maybe right. survive right. lunar water exposure. You're still gonna drown, but you might live through the experience. But I just want to just throw out really quickly, and then I know Megan has a lot of thoughts here on this, is I don't understand the point of cloning a bunch of preteen girls and murdering them with lunar water to save humanity. <laughs> Because (laughs) me, like, let's say I'm living in this time of like master out my family. And we're all like, you know, sitting in our hospital beds or raisining in the sun or whatever is happening. (laughs) And then some clone comes back like, well, I was like a medical experiment. And now I like am okay. I'm like, well, I don't give a shit. Now what? We have a clone that's going to like survive. Great. Like, what does that do for me? And so then I was like, okay, well, the bite checks out. But then they were like, I was like, so I guess she'll just start biting everyone and then they'll all have the antidote. But then they were like, no, no, we're not going to do that either because it might not work for everyone. Yeah, it doesn't probably work for everyone. Plus like the repercussion was still that like, Dr. Song still vomited out a geyser of water, hallucinated, went into the watery abyss, saw the sea stars. She just lived. So it's like my life is every time I have to take a sip of water to survive, I have to go through that experience. I don't know, honestly, if life would be worth living for very long.
2: Or like you want to go for a quick swim.
0: (laughs) So I just don't see like, what was the freaking point of cloning people, like creatures to absorb the water.
2: I mean, they never gave an indication, like maybe they're going to study her DNA now and see what it does. But like, still, that was never part of the story. It was just like, here's this girl who didn't die when hundreds, you know, upon hundreds others did. Okay. And okay, one last thing is that she's like a wild murderous animal. (laughs) She's
0: feral. And I'm not going to get into that, but yeah, she's like feral murderous being whose eyes like flick like, weirdly, and crunches. She's got super speed. And the only person she can relate to is Dr. Song, also friend of the CGI tiger. I guess that was the whole point of the CGI tiger, right? Was that like, she can tame a wild beast. <laughs> However, like- <laughs> Dr. Song's sister, like we're supposed to think that she made this connection to Dr. Song in part because she saw a picture of like her creator with Dr. Song. But I'm like, does this like feral clone monkey also realize that like her creator murdered like the 72 iterations before her? So it wasn't like being affiliated with like her creator wasn't like Good people like her creator was like monstrous in many ways, right? Like
2: Victor Frankenstein,
0: (laughs) yeah. So I didn't get like, well, you are affiliated with her, so that must make you okay. So I will like be friendly with you and like eat your piece of candy you're giving me.
2: I feel like somehow this drama wanted us to be sympathetic with Dr. Song's sister for what she did, and there's no sympathy to be given for that. No, (laughs) none, yeah. I, I agree that they were trying to make us have
1: sympathy, and I don't, I felt nothing for the lady. I was like, okay.
0: He murdered them and then hung them in bags like dry cleaning, like dead bodies hanging, like dry cleaning. Well,
1: look, so Luna didn't make logical sense a lot. But as far as like the acting and the scenes she was in, to me, she was still the best part of the drama. I agree. I just really loved her character. So the actress is Kim Sia and she's 13. And I just thought her acting was insane from the way she like crouched like a feral child to the way she ran kind of like a naruto (laughs) run with her (laughs) arms behind her i was a hundred percent convinced she was some weird moon water creature i thought she was samara from the ring yeah she'd come into that's true her hair's like always (laughs) in her face and so there's a scene at the end where dr song is putting a space suit on her because they're trying to leave the station and of course it's too large and luna kind of like looks at her hand with like curiosity and lets the sleeve flop around. And it was such a simple thing. Lasted on the screen for three seconds, but I loved it. And it was also pretty much the only time I let out a chuckle. So thanks Luna, because this was a completely humorless drama. I will say that the storyline also was not Unique and reminded me very much of Resident Evil. I forget which Resident Evil movie this was. Okay. There's like six of them, but it's when the Umbrella Corporation operated on Alice clones looking for the T-virus cure. So there was a scene where they carry a dead Alice, like, and you think it's the real Alice when you're watching it but they just throw her on a pile of dozens of other dead Alice clones. And it reminded me of the scene in the silent sea when they find the room of Luna clones vacuum sealed in bags hanging from the ceiling. So I will agree that that was a visually stunning scene and I loved it and it made me gasp. So it was really cool, but like back to the trench coat phrase, like this drama definitely borrowed. And as we talked about, there's tons of questions when it comes to Luna, what did she eat? Why did she draw eyes? And why could she survive in the pressurized station, but also on the moon? Like, just she could just survive anywhere. Like, can we put her on Jupiter too? Like, I just don't understand. I know we should like tuck her into the sun and
2: see what happens.
1: Like, <laughs> who knows? Just give her some lunar water; it'll cure her right up.
2: Put her on an asteroid. All right, so let's pause for a second for our favorite segment of the show, our K-Pop Wreck of the Week. Megan, what do you have for us this time?
1: So today I have a new song and it's called Do It Like This and it's by P1Harmony and it just came out. And the reason I'm recommending it is it's just a really catchy song and I really like the choreography in the music video. So there's this one bit of choreo where they kind of like pump their fists really fast, like uh, almost like they're punching a speed bag kind of, except it's like lower. And I tried to do it and I hit my knuckles together and made them bleed. So clearly (laughs) I'm not cut out for K-pop choreography, but you know, you can watch the boys do it because they do it well. So anyway, it's called Do It Like This and it's by P1
0: Harmony. If you enjoy our podcast, you have our patrons to thank, at least in part. Afternoon to Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting AfternoonAdelight.com. That's www.AfternoonAdelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoonadelight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, blow up your skin with k merch recs, find all of our social media and a link to our email. So you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida.
2: So Captain Han Yun-jae, Gong Yu, where do we even begin? How about with the neck tattoo?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, why? So I was kind of hoping it was going to be like a prison break thing, if anyone's familiar with prison break, where he has to break his brother out of prison so he gets arrested. But before that, he tattoos the entire structure of the prison (laughs) on his body. So that once he's inside, he-
0: (laughs) It's it's ridiculous. He's like, like, you don't know about this? Clearly, if I go past my nipple and take a right, I should- Have you ever heard about Prison Break?
1: No, seriously. His whole torso is tattooed and it's the blueprint of the prison. Swear to God, that's Prison Break. But anyway, so I was kind of hoping that his tattoos would hold some sort of like clue or a code to some like fancy space station data, but like, no-
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's think, just there. I think one of the most no disappointing things about it is because it just made me focus even more on the fact that we never really got to know Captain Han or anyone else on this mission. Like he just has this neck tattoo and that's it. Like that is it. He has this daughter in the hospital who is withering away into a raisin. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, what if the tattoo was, like, a dedication to, like, his dead wife? His daughter? Something.
1: No, it's just some weird geometric pattern. And the
0: fact that we know that, like, tattoos are, like, somewhat taboo in Korean society, like, I felt like that was going to be, like, a hint that was going to be revealed. Obviously not. But I am going to just segue off into a fun fact that when I was in college, I one time got... I'm trying to think of how to, like, phrase this in a good way. I got not sobered in <laughs> me- on substances. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to, like... Anyway, I decided in an altered state of being that I wanted to get a tattoo. And I decided that the clue to what my tattoo should be was in the encyclopedia. You know, this was like, you know, the early 2000s. And there was an encyclopedia where I was. And I was like, I'm just going to open up a random encyclopedia. And that's going to be my tattoo. So I opened it up and I got a labyrinth. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to totally get this labyrinth maze tattoo on my body. (laughs) Yes. And then I fell asleep. (laughs) I did. That's a good thing. And so my labyrinth tattoo that I would have gotten would have made more sense than the (laughs) girl neck tattoo (laughs) that he sported for the entire drama. It was not even just a little tattoo too. It was like chin to clavicle neck tattoo. Hot, but- Your (laughs)
2: non-existent tattoo has a better backstory. (laughs) It does. It does. It does. does. (laughs) So Captain Han never- Gets a comedic moment. In fact, there is zero comic relief in this drama that is trying to be all of the things. What do you think?
0: Right. And I'm not saying that Gong Yu has to do egg yo and be like cute, which he can do very well. And he doesn't have to be funny. Like he can do very well. I mean, like go back to trying to Busan and he's, you know, he's a pretty big dick a lot of the times. But to allow his character to go through eight full episodes and have zero emotional range to me is just an absolute crime. Like this is a man who can act so well. And I mean, look, he was in Squid Game for two minutes and created like an entire like fan base spinoff just from his presence in Squid Game and that was like how much like character and like depth and nuance and interest he brought to this very minor role yet silent c honestly i would rather <laughs> i don't even know like get a lab birth tattoo on your back <laughs> i would rather play crossword with my head no the drama like i said was so Yeah. Hum-
1: <laughs> <laughs> The drama was so humorless and you know, the very first episode when we didn't know who anyone was and they were all wearing the same thing. So you didn't know who you just couldn't even distinguish people. You know what I mean? You couldn't even see their hair and they kind of had a little banter, but you didn't even know who they were. You didn't know the significance. It maybe would have been funny if I knew who they were by the time you started to learn there was zero chemistry. No, there wasn't. And I think that's one of my biggest beefs. I know we're talking about Gong Yu right now, but I've seen Gong Yu and Beidouna on like some promo things, like some promo shows, some promo games. They have amazing chemistry. So tell me that's a, a skill to take to suck out their chemistry for
0: eight episodes. Like, what happened? I know. It's crazy. I know. It's super disappointing. Like, and I didn't need it to be sexual chemistry, I just needed there to be like, energetic interesting yes yes oh yeah because they don't have i don't think they have
1: sexual chemistry they just had like cool friend chemistry on all these things and i was like if they could have developed a friendship and they didn't they did not develop even a friendship i didn't sense
2: any camaraderie it was because nobody even ate a meal together because you don't need to eat when you're
0: on a moon mission the doctor was trying to be like a little bit of like the comic relief i guess doing some thirst trapping but even that just like felt really yeah She's hilarious in real, like like, normally she's amazing. She was
1: great. They also did not do her justice. No, they underutilized her. In every role she plays, she's amazing. And like, she did
2: do wonderful in the scenes she had, but like, they didn't give her enough. So speaking of emotion, like Captain Han only emotes a single tear slipping out of the corner of his eye in his ridiculous death scene. But none of us shed a single tear For the actor who had us choking on sobs in Goblin and Train to Busan, why? And I'm just gonna throw out there, skip this part if you have not seen Train to Busan, even though we've talked a ton about it already, because we're probably gonna spoil, you know, some big parts of it. But like, I mean, Gong Yu, like I have a visceral reaction to this man because of Goblin, and he dies in this drama, and I did not give. To Fox. Yeah,
1: I hated his death in so many ways. I don't even know where to begin. What I hated most was that I felt nothing. Like, look, the male lead sacrificing himself dramatically, especially for a woman and a child, is a sci fi and action trope as old as time. And I love it. I'll love it every single time, except here. I did not love it here. So, first of all, his sacrifice made little to no sense plot wise. Like, there was no buildup to explain. Why he had to like leave the space station to do something. I, you know, I don't even know what it is. And it doesn't matter because the whole thing lasted
2: maybe a minute. Like there was no grand suspense at all. You know what I'm remembering right now? Like he was doing it to keep the basement was flooding. The basement of the station was flooding. And it was, there was this huge like, you know, like tsunami coming. Right. But it blows up the whole station anyway. Right, that's the thing. It goes out there to close the airlock or whatever, but still the whole station explodes with water.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter, buddy. It was so stupid. It was so stupid. And so he's outside the station while the two women and Luna are inside. And then we see a giant wave of lunar water crashing into him. And the next time we see him- He just happens to be like propped up majestically on this. Dry. Everything's
0: dry. No like, frozen anything. <laughs> yeah.
1: Everything's dry. It's far away from the station. Like, how did he get there? Why was his body not twisted grotesquely from his water? Like the blinking, <laughs> the blinking lights of his helmet was corny. I even hated his tear zero out of 10 for his death, which made a mockery out of his fucking amazing ending and train to Busan. That is my Ted talk. And I will die on this hill.
2: And I will die right there with you because it was the most anticlimactic death. He had to go outside of the room to close the airlock. For some reason, I like legit backed the video up more than once to try and figure out why he had to do that. And I couldn't figure it out and whatever. So he couldn't do what needed to be done without getting hit by a lunar water tsunami, (laughs) a lunar water tsunami that turned to ice as soon as it hit open air. But somehow Captain Han was not a Captain Hansicle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. Please
2: give us that. His whole body was intact, reclining nicely on the rock until his light literally went out just no and I am not
0: dying on this hill it was that bad like this is not a hill I even wanted. like (laughs) shame on this and I already felt like he had died and so to see him again felt as repetitive to me as the fact that the rocket ship had to crash twice basically like I was like look he already died and now he's dead like now we just have to see that he's like not dead to like die again to what receive like a little pin like who gives a shit so at that point, like <laughs> seeing him though was superfluous because at that point I was like, oh my God, why is he back? Like it was like, you know, like not you again. And I was too consumed with the fact that the moon clone was just chilling in open space. Like somehow she'd slipped out of her spacesuit and was just chilling on the moon in a raggedy hospital gown, like barefoot, barefoot, just like giving him a pin, being like, what's up? Like, We've got some like connection for no reason at all. (laughs) And at that point I was like, one star for visuals on like the entire drama. (laughs) I will be honest. I thought what was going to happen, this sounds so stupid,
1: but it doesn't matter. I thought she was going to bite him and his wounds were going to heal and he was going to live. I legitimately thought that that was what was going to happen. That would have made, I mean, it might have made more sense, but I thought that that was going to happen. I will tell you, let me just, this is the little offshoot, but let me tell you another thing that I thought was going to happen. Okay, so the one guy I liked, the like freckled hottie, Mm. Gone too had soon. had almost no lines, but he was cute to look at. So he got shot in the chest and I was like, well, fuck. shirtless, shirtless.
0: <laughs> that was Heartless.
1: good. Yep. He's like stumbling around shirtless because he was injured, whatever, he gets shot. And he falls on like lunar water that had spilled and they made a point to like show the lunar water. And for some reason, I thought maybe there was going to be this weird twist that the lunar water was going to do something to like a dead body. So when the doctor walked in and didn't see his body on the ground, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, he is Luna now. Like I was like, he's going to be like Luna. He's going to do the eye thing. Like, this also doesn't make sense, but I was just still hoping for it. I was like, this is going to be so cool. He's going to be this like be- <laughs> guy running around. And then she opens up the freezer and he's fucking dead in the freezer.
0: Yeah. with did six pack, his frozen six pack.
1: <laughs> I was so pissed. You should have seen my face. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And, and again, I don't know. That doesn't logically make sense either. But I guess I was kind of hoping that like it did something different to a dead body. I don't know. That's all I got to say.
2: What are our final thoughts that we need to get off our chest? Did we like anything about this drama? I mean, I did binge it. So what did you like? What do you have to say that we haven't said yet? Let's have it.
0: Can I have one thing? I'm just going to, I got to say this. Yeah. The villain who had a very convoluted villainy, Yes. (laughs) basically like his motivation was I'm going to steal the water samples for mercenaries who we never see and like that were coming to the moon. And part of why he was a baddie was that five years ago, he'd been part of the murdering of all the scientists to like hush up the clone operations. I have no idea why in murdering all those people that somehow like brought him back to want to like be involved. I mean, I really don't like, I don't know what they were trying to thread. All I know is that when he was dying, the clock was ticking with the lunar water tsunami that was coming. The one that ultimately killed Gong Yu, And instead We spent like five minutes with like his villainous death rambling as he's like actively dying. Yeah. Talking about shit. And finally, like at the very end of like blah, 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 as he's like dying more and more. They're like, we don't have time for this. I'm like, I didn't have time
2: for this like five minutes ago. (laughs) Like it would have made a little bit more sense if his mission was like, he was talking about like, what have I done? What have I done? And it's like, yeah. dude, you killed all the people before. Yeah. And so it would have made more sense if he was like, I never want the government to get this. Like if he was there to like keep the government from getting their hands yes. on it. But instead he just killed everybody who got in his way and was going to just like sell it to mercenaries. So yeah and he's like,
0: what have I done? What have I done? And I did this other horrible thing. And this other horrible thing. I'm like, look, you're just a badly drawn bad guy. Just fucking die. go get on your moon or pile of rocks and like die too. <laughs> so look here, we said this already. It's visually
1: stunning and it is, it truly is. And the, I really love the cliffhangers at the end of every episode. Like it really did. I mean, I binged it in two days. Like I really wanted to it know. It worked for you and me. The
2: cliffhangers worked for you. Right. And
1: okay. <laughs> and I think there's another thing too. It felt to me, I think it's because I, do have high standards for k dramas cuz they're fucking good that's why we do a podcast on them cuz i love them so i kind of have high standards and i felt like it was building up to something huge okay i kept watching and waiting for my emotions to kick in and for the heart of this drama to come out so i binged it and let my excitement build and then i was just let down and so i don't regret watching it i really don't it gave me some kind of fun ideas for my own science fiction romance writing and it had a zillion like sci-fi tropes that i loved like luna was so Cool. But overall the drama was surface level and I was expecting something deeper. Yeah. And then one more thing. When did they eat? When did they eat? There was no eating scene. I wanted bonding over ramen. I wanted microwave noodles, even dried seaweed, like chew on some dried seaweed, but something like no one ate, no one peed, nothing so it was like felt kind of like impersonal and i just can't believe the k-drama <laughs> didn't have an eating scene i mean they were there for 24 hours and i think they were there for longer because their spaceship were, like that's what i'm gonna say is i don't know how long they were actually there it felt long
0: enough that they needed to eat. yes you they know what a, i mean they had a satiating lifesaver or whatever the hell that was <laughs> uh, <so. I'm> <laughs> <satiating> <laughs> my yeah
2: yeah i don't know i honestly don't know like i I enjoyed it to the extent that I did. I binge it too. I watched it in two days. So there was something that kept me hooked. And I think it was because I kept expecting to get to the episode where it was going to be like, oh, this is why it's awesome. Oh, this is why it's awesome kind of thing. Cause I'm like, nobody puts Gong Yu in a drama that is not fantastic, but somebody did. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yes. It was pretty to look at. It was. And Luna's character was cool, but there was no cohesive story for me to say that this was a masterpiece, right?
0: Yeah. All the money in the world and all the gong you in the world can't fix a story that fundamentally sucks at its core. Meanwhile, one more thing. There were too, too many overhead compartments in this (laughs) drama. One on the spaceship. (laughs) (laughs) the overhead compartment on the spaceship and then the overhead compartment that luna who honestly look i mean like i think the child actor did a good job but like i could have given two shits about luna slept in the overhead bin and drew her creepy eyes just to like be creepy and just i hated it i hate i really hated it (laughs)
1: funny because Amy and I both so we watched it first and Leah was like essentially like off the grid so she didn't have internet for a few days and but we, we knew that she had downloaded it she was going to be watching it and Amy and I were messaging privately and we're like oh my god Leah's gonna hate this Leah's gonna hate this we were like so terrified that Leah was gonna come back and be like guys what the fuck and like she kind of did I actually thought she was gonna hate it worse than she
0: did it was too not even good to hate it like it was just like ugh, yeah. whatever like you know, tailed and I tailed, I like hate, but I also deeply love. Right. It's totally like, different. I have so much joy and I would like rewatch it. And I thought it was a mess, but like, it was just like fun and, it was a and I had emotional
2: connections to the characters. Like I cried for characters in that, like Kim Bum's character yeah. is my absolute favorite in that drama. So. Oh, yeah. so yeah. good. He had great character growth.
0: No, this was, I, it was boring. <laughs> And it should, there's no reason this should have been boring to me. Like it should have been fun. I I mean, I really did enjoy the geyser vomit. <laughs> I enjoyed the visuals. I think that the editing was done well. I think that the actors did their best with right. what they could. And I feel like, unfortunately in this case, I am going to say that the failing to me was in the writing, which makes me feel sad. And I don't like being like a meanie about that, but really that's yeah, where I put the blame for this.
2: Okay. So how about a sci-fi romance book recommendation to go with our drama that had no romance or personal connection whatsoever? So yes, I write science fiction romance, but I've wrecked my books on this
1: had before. So, I'm actually going to recommend a cyborg romance that I really enjoy, has a really good cast that feel very alive to me and the romances are pretty damn amazing. So, the series is called The Cyborg Chronicles and it's by Kelsey Nicole Price and the first book is called Dash. But it's like a series of four and how many does she have out now? She's five out now. Like I said, I really like the cast they banter. I don't think they eat ramen together, but you know, it's just a good set of books. So yeah, that's what I recommend.
2: And what's everybody watching
0: right now? I really like getting listener recs and I do pay attention every time someone does give us a rec and I write it down. And so somebody recommended Fated to Love You came out in 2014, I believe. So, you know, not old for this earth, but a bit older for like, you know, (laughs) K-Drama's And I'm really enjoying it. I only got through one episode, but it just had a lot of, it was really fun. And I feel like sometimes like dramas that came out a few years back now have like a little bit more like silly personality in it happening to it sometimes. But in this case, I'm in the mood for it, and I think it's done really well. And it also has the female lead from Go Back Couple, Aww. who we all yes, we like. Do. Okay, yeah, yeah, I
1: remember we someone do, recommended do. that, and I forget now, but I had looked
0: it up and thought it looked really good. And I love the fun kind of silly characters. Oh, and it has a zombie detective. Oh, the he's I think the second uh, male lead. He hasn't come in yet, but he's Aww. on the castle. Oh, Choi Jin Yeah. He wasn't in the first episode, but he, you know, he's going to be in it. He's on the cast list.
2: You know what? Where were we just talking about that drama? Oh, you sent us the email. You sent us the email. And I said, oh, that's who's in it. Like, I, I'm i totally down. Like, that looks really good. So
1: that was it. It was the email. I remember now.
2: Because it was the one night stand, right? The premise was she has a one night stand and gets pregnant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A table. Ch- yep. Totally. Or in.
0: not a, ch- yeah, like a big corporate. And so, yeah, one night stand. It? And it looks just kind of, and I really like the main characters, like a very big personality, like a little bit of a whiff of Secretary Kim, mm. but like not as mentally, <laughs> mm, like he can like, he, it's not, he's not like unable to touch right. people or he's not like neurotic, yeah. but he's kind of like that, like brashest personality. Yeah. And it's quite, I fun. love that. No, I, I remember that. that. I want to watch Yeah. That. Just
1: so you know, if you email us, it goes obviously to one email address, usually Leah checks it, but. She always forwards any sort of feedback and Rex, she forwards it all to us so we all read it.
2: And then I put it in my career folder in my <gasps> Gmail. Oh, I should do that. Oh, I don't that. forget. That's good. Of course I have a very of organized course you do. email. <laughs>
0: Of course my inbox is a fucking mess mine has i think like ninety thousand messages yeah. oh my god
2: that's for another time everybody but i actually just finished watching mad for each other which i absolutely loved that was a recommendation by megan right mm-hmm. you found did you find you just found that right like mm-hmm. you just find these little gems mm-hmm. so that's on netflix and it was a lot of fun and it's about two people who are next door neighbors they don't realize it at first but they both go they see the same psychiatrist and they both are dealing with some mental health issues and it's a fantastic enemies to lovers romance and just super fun. And we will do a deep dive on that. And now I'm finally, Leah, finally watching Reply 1988. Yeah. So I'm obviously still watching Reply 1988 because it's a long
1: drama. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love it. It's just a long drama. I mean, I would say I'm super loving the structure of the episodes. So obviously it's a, a fully related, every episodes, you know, it's a continuation of a story, but I do love how each episode does sort of feel like one bit. Do you know what I mean? Like it, and there's almost like some sort of like life lesson at the end of every one, or just some heartwarming type of mantra, I guess. I love it. I really, really love how it's structured and how it's put together. And I'm also watching, based on what I said earlier, I'm also watching Singles Inferno because why not? So it's a Korean reality dating show. And look, I saw the trailer. It's like, It is so funny. Like I haven't watched a American reality dating show in a long time, but I mean we're talking like I used to watch like rock of love. Okay, on BH one with Brett Michaels from poison. I watched the Flava Flav one like we're talking I am an old school (laughs) reality dating show. So, this is where
2: Megan and I diverge. Right. On this our is where taste. I go
1: off the rails. Yeah. But I can really sink my teeth into something like that. But I haven't watched one in a really long time because I'm maybe I just grew up a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> it's really, really interesting to see the Korean reality show and how they interact. And it's obviously so much more like mature. I don't know if mature is the right word. It's definitely more proper, you know? And they're careful with their words and it's not as raunchy. I don't know if
0: it gets raunchy. I'm all they're not going to the honeymoon. No, they are
1: not. I mean, they don't like, they go to this like really fancy hotel. Okay. And then there's one room with a big bed and then another room with two beds. And of course they're like, you can have separate bedrooms. And I was like, in American shows that never freaking happens where they sleep in separate beds on the first night. I can tell you that. So anyway, but it's great. Like, I I love it. They're getting to know each other like slowly, which I find really nice. It just feels like a K-drama in like a real reality TV setting. So anyway, I'm watching that kind of slow. I just, but it's Netflix produced. Yeah, I think so. The people on it are beautiful. Like what? Well, yeah, <laughs> like, I mean,
0: that's a given for reality dating. Oh, it's
1: it's <laughs> insane. And I just have to say what the one guy has like facial hair, like a, like a really close shaved beard. And he took off his shirt and he has chest hair. You should have seen my face. Like I, cause you don't get that in K dramas. Okay. <laughs> A male lead with chest hair. So I was pretty excited. How much hair are we talking about? A lot. About? Well, it just it's just kind of in the center of his chest, but it's long. Yeah. Like Neil can't even grow chest hair. Just really? so you all know. Yeah, no, he can't. Nick
0: can grow some
2: <laughs> <chest> <laughs> He means like, hair. let's go. This <laughs> is a good place to wrap it up, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we hope to come back to you next week with a drama that we're really excited to talk about because we loved it, but we'll just have to see. So thanks for listening, everybody. bye you Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to Afternoonadelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T.com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs. And if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really, who doesn't? You can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K Drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K Drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, Annyeong!